Hey, Rob. Uh, we were on a few weeks ago. Um, as always, much has happened in the world of the World Tour um, professional cycling. Uh, Tom Pidcock coming away with a win in Italy at the false monument, I should say, uh, the Strade Bianchi. Um, an, an incredible feat by the Brit rider, uh, riding away at 50 kilometers, if I'm not mistaken, uh, fending off several attacks and, uh, yeah, coming to the line solo and uh, having plenty of time to celebrate, break it down. Yeah, massive, massive effort from Tom Pidcock. I think uh, I think PCS has it as 23K that he was solo for. But yeah, absolutely massive effort from Tom attacking on a descent on the gravel, much like Pogaccia did uh, last year. And yeah, I think Pidcock cutting his sight across season short to be ready for these uh, spring classics, just attacking. And, you know, at times it looked like there was a chase group that was going to catch him back getting to very close, less than 10 seconds away, but never quite getting there, playing a lot of cat and mouse. And yeah, eventually Pidcock hanging on for the win, staying away. Um, questionable tactics from Jumbo Visma in some people's eyes. In my eyes, I don't think they did too much wrong. Potentially either Attila Balta or Tish Banut should have committed to helping the other one, but um, neither did. It looked like we had two co-leaders in a chase group of of uh, five which didn't work too well for them but yeah absolutely and uh just for the record i I believe pidcock started his audacious attempt at 50k out and then he managed to drop the other others that were with him with 23k to go and yeah yeah so yeah yeah i think yeah you're right no one no one gave him a turn for 50k (laughs) is probably how it went so yeah yeah but you're right about the yumbo visma tactics um partner chasing down partner and uh but saying that uh, they've done so well this season i'm sure there was something else behind it that perhaps didn't quite work out and it just looked horrific from that outside view but what do you think it was i think we um we saw essentially like tish Banut was sort of going away um with a, a small group he sort of like split the chase group and then he looked behind and attila valter was coming over to yeah. me attila valter for a large part of the chase, was the strongest guy in the chase group. Um, and I think he was, he looked like he was bridging across to Benute quite well, but I think when Benute had that quick look behind him, it looked as if he was dragging the other along, but he, he wasn't really. Um, I think they had a bit of frustration between the two of them there. Uh, personally, I, I thought Volta was going to win it at one point. I, yeah. He's definitely the least known name in that group, but um, coming across to Jumbo this year. Generally, riders usually improve when they move to Jumbo, generally like better, a lot better support, whether that's through new, the nutritional coaching they get, they do genuinely improve. And that's, I think, has been the case with Volta this year. And um, yeah, I think it looked awkward between them then. They got very close to catching. Volta probably did a lot more pulling than Tish. I personally think Tish Benut is a bit overrated and a bit more of a leader in that team than he really should be for me. Um, but yeah, they should have really brought him back. Either Volta or Benut should have committed to chasing, but ultimately Madois was the one who won out of that group for second anyway. And I think maybe he'd have won anyway, whatever happened. But but yeah, they uh, did gift it to Pidcock a bit by playing the cat and mouse. So 
So yeah, lucky him in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure about you, Rob, but when I was watching that, especially the finale, I was like, nah, he's going to get caught. With 20k out, I was like, nah, no way, no way. But the cat and mouse going on behind, I, I obviously gave him that advantage. And Pitcock himself said, um, you know, they came up close and he, he himself thought he had messed up, probably gone too early. Um, but <sighs> credit to the lad, he, he managed to hold on. And an incredible win. Uh, would you put that up there with his uh, Olympic win? I mean, uh, world world title or not quite? Um, the, well, um, no, for me, his Olympic mountain might win still his biggest win. We look yeah. for the rest of the top 10. Like you got Roman Gregoire, eighth. Till the Volta, fifth. These, these aren't like the biggest names in cycling. Yes, Van der Poel was there, but it was a very off form. Van der Poel, even looking in the top 25, like he's, he's not beaten a Pogatra, a Wout or a Remco sort of thing. Um, so if I'm being really harsh, I'm going to say, yeah, it's a good victory in an amazing race. But it th- this isn't something which makes me go, Tom Pidcock is going to win the Tour, Tom Pidcock is going to win Flanders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot less has made you say that though, Rob. <laughs> a lot less has made me say that in the past, but his, his regression, I... I I did at one point quite aggressively back Pidcock to win the tour one day, but I'm losing faith as time goes on, sadly. I, I thought his progress would be more rapid than this. Um but yeah, we'll see. It was it was a good win, but if you win a race in Valentin Madois and Tisha Manute are second and third, it's and Rui Costa's fourth and Volta fifth, it's 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 a big race, it's a good win, but he's not crushed the best world tour field you could get if i'm honest i'd actually call that quite a weak world tour field but but yeah still a good ride from tom and yeah perhaps this is more than he'd have got at cross worlds this year where i think he'd have conferred so so yeah um good for him yeah fair enough and uh but, sounds harsh but but that's my thoughts on it <laughs> fair enough and uh it, it continues ineos uh ineos is how do you say, transition to one days, um, once again, uh, winning um, and continuing the new tradition of doing well in the classics, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to what they produce. And of course, we're going to jump to San Remo later um, and uh, we'll talk about Ghana and uh, Team Ineos then. Uh, but before that, we should head over to France and uh, Paris-Nice, uh, the first... Well, first main world tour, uh, world tour stage race. Uh, obviously, there's been others, but the one in Europe, the big one, um, the big biggest riders were there. Uh, it was billed to be, of course, uh, Pogacar versus um, his arch enemy or arch nemesis. Uh, I'm sure it's not like that, but uh, he he got one over on him. But we should go to stage one uh, where Tim Melia and the other sprinters. Uh, battled it out. Yeah, so yeah, Malia taking a solid win. Uh, Sam Bennett, I think, has the best lead out in 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 the World Tour sprints trains right now. Danny Van Poppel, a very nice asset to had. Um, Arno Dali, terrible positioning, but I'd argue looked the fastest in the races, especially in the early stage. Um, but yeah, Tim Malia in this stage just getting like a very quick sprinter. I think after. I currently have Delia as the fastest in the peloton, but 
Malia often gets positioned a lot better. Um, I think he's he's definitely in the top three. I think Philipson and um, and Grunewald are very quick as well. But yeah, solid win for Malia. Um, I think he's doing himself no harm in his fight to get selected for the uh, Sudal Quick Step Tour, the Tour de France team. Mm-hmm. And uh, then stage two. Um... Much of the same in the sense that it was another sprint finish, uh, but we had a completely different podium. Yeah, completely different podium. Um, I think sprinting all, all about the positioning and this time, yeah, both Malia and uh, Arno Dali, they're nowhere, nowhere near, near having a good chance to sprint. And Mads Pedersen looking solid. Olav Koy for me in this race, not, not the strongest legs, but usually quite good positioning coming in second, but yeah, a, a good win for Mads Pedersen and I think shows shows his strength a lot um, and strengthens his his claim to being one of the favourites in both Roubaix and Flanders as well. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't go that far up. I wouldn't well, go there. no, no, well... Um, he's done it before. Okay, favorites. fine. He's, he's, top he's five. done it. Top yeah. five favourites, I'd say. But yeah, not not outrageous favourites. He looks good for it, perhaps. Uh, more, I, I should say. I don't know. No? Seems generous. No, oh, he's always... He's when, solid. When, when he gets a win, it's always like, oh, good on him, as opposed to, <laughs> okay, yeah, we know you can do it. Whereas when, when you see Van der Poel and the others, it's like, yeah, cool, good on you, mate. But it's like, oh, okay, Mads Pedersen. Yeah, true, nice. well true. Uh, but... Good to see Daniel McClay uh, back up there. He's, he he got a fourth yeah. spot. He sneaked a, a fourth and uh, rooting for him, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, team time trial then, um, stage three. This was a strange one. Um, it is, am I getting mixed up here? Is this the one where you have individual times? Um, so in this race, I think everyone got given the same time as the guy ah, across. Okay. The road first, um, which is very ah, different to usually yes. how other time trials are, which is usually like the fourth or fifth person. Yeah. The yeah. time they get is what the time they the like the fourth person crosses the road, crosses the finish line, is the time you get. But that's only for those who haven't been dropped or on the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, quite different rules to this team time trial. Um, but ultimately, I don't think these changing rules change too much mainly because it's a flat, it was quite a flat, a flat race. If there was a big mountain at the end, it would make quite a difference. But here there wasn't. So, so yeah. Yeah, EF put in a phenomenal time early on in the stage. And uh, they looked like they were they would clinch it as well. But, um, of course, on the last um, hour, or the rather the favourites for... Um, for this, well, they're another team time trial favourite, aren't they? Um, Jumbo Visma taking it by a second. Um, I was just wondering, Rob, how much time do you think teams are putting into team time trials? And especially without the Tour de France having one, um, you'd, you'd think not much. Yeah, I think it would depend season on season. Like, um, yeah, if there's not one in the Giro or the Tour this year, then probably not much reason to target it too much. I don't think you're going to dedicate um, like hiring out an airfield for three days um, for winning a team time trial. Unless I think EF put a lot of work into it. They came very close to winning the one in the UAE tour and winning the one here. I think they've done a lot of work from it just because they saw it 
there's a good chance for them to get a, get a world tour stage win. Um, but arguably for like, I doubt Jumbo Visma did too much work for this. Um, they probably did it once or twice on a team training camp, but if it was a year when there was a team time trial in the tour, they'd for sure be doing a lot more, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Team Jaco coming third as well. They're, I, f- I feel like they're a team time trial team. Um, they seem to be, they seem to be up there when, when it comes to TTTs. Um, in the last couple of years anyway and uh, one yeah. that surprised me most was uh, Groupama FDJ um, coming in fourth uh, but not far off only 14 seconds uh, but then when you look at the lineup you're like ah makes sense because they've obviously got Stefan yeah. Kung and David Gardu um, which then leads us on nicely to stage four uh, because you have Pogacha taking the stage but uh, David Godu, second behind him, literally a second behind him. And uh, you've got the likes of Vingago, um, of course, reigning Tour de France champion, 50 seconds behind on this stage. And you start to see the cracks. Uh, of course, um, we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the stages in a second, but Pogacar ran away with this stage and uh, perhaps um, the the stage race as well when you compare him to Vingago. And, would you say it's early days, or would you say no? Pogacar has one up on uh, Vingago now. Um, yes. Yeah, so, I personally, I, I, I don't think this means anything for the tour. It's still okay. a long way away, and we never, in the past two editions, saw Vingegaard going going well, even right and up until the Dauphiné. Really, um, to be honest, this is the best. I think I've seen Jonas Vingegaard at this time of year. So if anything, for me, I I, I actually believe in Vingegaard winning the tour still this year. Okay. Oh, over, interesting. Over Pogacar. I um, found I've I've heard most journalists and pundits say quite the opposite, and I, I'm probably yeah. with them. I'm I'm with Pogacar, I think. Yeah, I think I think the betting markets also currently back Pogacar. However, it's yeah, it's just. Some riders are on all year, some are off all the time. Like, yeah, yeah, like Geraint Thomas is another one. So, some riders just perform all year, some just peak for one one big race. And for me, Vingegaard is the guy who just peaks for one big race. He's got his young family, I think he gets his body weight down very low. Um, so he probably doesn't want to be there all year as well. Um, and yeah, if Vingegaard hasn't as massively peaked for July in the past. I've got every payful peak for July again this year. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it means too much. But with regards to this stage race, uh, the big talk before was all that Jonas should get enough time on the team time trial to then hold off Pogacar in the mountains, who's expected to get a bonus seconds and maybe even slightly drop Jonas. Um, and for some reason, Jonas went on the attack. Pogacar had actually was already going into stage four, not that far behind due to the bonus seconds he'd got. And Yomo Visma actually not putting that much into UAE Emirates on the team time trial. Jonas attacked, Begatra quite easily followed. Uh, and then once they started playing cat and mouse, David Gardu attacking. And then when when Begatra realised Jonas didn't really have too much, he just quite easily bridged across the Gardu out sprinting him and I think from there the race was was pretty much won like Bogaccio was just clearly the strongest in the race 
and now actually has quite a time margin on Vingegaard. Um, and yeah, and that was kind of the race from there, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. we'll break but, it down. Yeah. But what, one thing I found strange till this day is like Pogacar was going for the bonus seconds back in the tour. And um, I don't know whether it, it was uh, it, it didn't quite obviously the tour didn't quite work out and it's like did going for those bonus seconds take take some bullets away from him or was it the fact that he just wasn't second best and he did the same again this this time round where he was going and he was going hammer on tongs for some of those bonus seconds throughout throughout this tour and it's just like I'm not is is he is he doing it for the fans is he doing it for the panesh or is he does he really think he needs those bonus seconds? Uh, as as a coach, Rob, um, what what are you telling Pogacar to go for those bonus seconds and uh, use up his energy, or save it for for the grind later on in the in the uh, stage? The bonus seconds he got in Paris Nice, um, I think, were quite easy. I don't think he expended too much energy getting them in the tour last year. Um, yeah. I, I think he should have still gone for those bonus seconds, but I, I think he was maybe a bit too aggressive at time. Mm. The big question is is more like the way Pagatra is, he's very sprinty, like is like not really been seen before that a, a Grand Tour winner has such an amazing sprint. It's more like would you tailor his training away from him being more punchy in a way? Because generally if you improve your sprint, like your your twenty minute power would would go down like you'd be a worse climber sort of thing um so maybe they target his training so that he can win races so he can get bonus seconds it's more would you move it that way with regards to losing the tour last year he lost all his time pretty much on one stage um and that stage was in the heat uh, i think pagacha has a real issue with the heat yeah he just goes so much better in wet cold conditions than he does the heat which is another reason why I think Vingard has the advantage for the tour is because it's in summer and it's generally going to be hot. Um, so that that's his main thing to work on. I think the bonus seconds are worth chasing for him, but but yeah, that's my thoughts on it at the moment. No, fair enough, fair enough, and uh, that's quite quite an insight. I appreciate that. Uh, stage five um, again, all, all change at the top. Another sprinter stage. Um, yeah, break it down, Rob. Yeah, again, um, just poor positioning from Malia, and even, even and and yeah, again, quite good from Trek, very good from Yumbo, and yeah, just all about positioning in these stages. We're seeing a lot of teams. It's not like old style where they used to be massive. War just one one lead out train would dominate. There's so many many teams with solid lead outs now, especially at a race like this and. And yeah, quick step, Sudal quick step, just not getting it right again. Malia for me, still the fastest in the sprint, but I'll have Koi coming away for the win and contract year for him. And I think he'll be getting a very nice new contract if he keeps delivering results like this. Yeah, and that leads us on to then stage seven, back in the mountains, back into the GC race, back to Pogacar leading the way and back to talking about David David Godu, who picked up second spot. So, Rob, how much should we look into uh, the Frenchman picking up second? And um, should we put anything to that? 
of, of course, he's laying claim to being the GC lead for his team. But are we, are we saying there's now a uh, three a freeway tussle for the tour, or are we are we still going for the two at the top? Uh, I'd say it's still the two at the top, but this performance from David Gardu gives me a lot. Like, if you tell me David Gardu seriously challenges them at the tour now, I'm not surprised. Um, the thing, the the reason he was never going to win the tour in previous years is just his time trial. It was is is slash was so bad in comparison to Jonas and Tade. Um, but he's shown in Paris' climbing really isn't um, on none of these stages. I, he, Gardou's actually been a better climber than Vingegaard throughout the whole of, of Paris-Nice, and especially on this stage, he looks stronger. He tactically played it quite badly on this stage. He just rode on the front way too much. I he's never going to out-sprint Pagatch, so he did have to try and drop him, but <sighs> yeah, he 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 was as if this was a time trial at this climb, I wouldn't be shocked if he was stronger than Pagatcha. Pagatcha attacked and uh Gardu and Vingegaard brought him back. So and you see Pagatcha is much less dominant on this day. And this day, I think the difference that it's 17 degrees on this stage as opposed to 13 degrees on the other stage, and it's funny mm, here. I think I think I for me that part is you can attribute that as part of the reason why um, Pogaccio was less dominant. And yeah, to sum up, I think they have to take Gardu semi-seriously as a threat for the tour this year when in previous years. Like before this Paranese, I'd say no, but he showed he's more their level than like the Simon Yates, Roman Bardet level. Um, so yeah. Interesting. And uh, that I never looked into those insights really, Rob. Um, so that's uh, that's very interesting. Did you did you look into the temperatures on stage eight as well? Um, with uh, Pogacar taking an emphatic win again. Uh, yeah, seventeen degrees again on stage eight. Okay. So yeah. so yeah, um, he was more dominant this day than on stage seven. However, he yeah he got away and he was stronger, but I don't think. Hmm, I'd say this was a worse day for Gadu, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, um, yeah. Gadu came back to more Jonas, Simon Yates and Jorgensen level than being on the Pogaccia level. Um, and yeah, maybe maybe this climb suited Pogaccia a bit better in the fact it's more punchy, um, which helps him as opposed to Gadu, who I think prefers the really long alpine climbs. Um, so yeah, but he got away again. Um, and yeah, Pogaccio was the best rider in the race. There's no doubt about that. It's just he was not as dominant as I thought he'd be. And Gadu was just a lot closer to him than I thought he'd be. Um, and to be honest, I think Vingegaard can be at any form now. Vingegaard at any any type of form now wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me, just like he was bad after the tour last year. It's because he's not planning on being that good. He doesn't hold form like, like Pogaccia. Um So, yeah, but I, I expected more from Pogaccia, um in relation to the other riders from this. But he, he won he won very comfortably, so you can't take too much away from him. And he's had a fantastic start to the year before Paranese as well. 
Yeah, and uh, we're just around at the top 10, so obviously Pogacar first, David Godou second, Jonas Vingago coming in third overall, Simon Yates taking fourth for his team, um, and then Gino Maida uh, for Bahrain victorious, that's fifth. Nelson Paulus sixth, Roman Bardet seventh. I, I think it's safe to say he's he's out of the GC uh, contention full stop now. Um uh, I do always have that hope for the French um, because Tour de France, of course, you have that connection. But yeah, uh, it's all on gold do now, um, yeah. especially yeah. with uh, Pino uh, likely to retire at the end of the season as well. So yeah, and uh, Matteo Jorgensen coming in eighth, Pavel Sivikov coming in ninth, and Jack Haig, tenth. Uh, I just want to touch on Pavel Sivikov there, uh, Rob. What's what's your take on him? Is he is he a serious contender in the future, or he's always going to be on the fringe? I'd say the fringe. To be honest, his best results were in um, twenty twenty one in the kind of in the races that I mean, no twenty twenty even the races that uh, or twenty twenty one. Do I mean? Yeah, basically when as soon as COVID finished, that's when he was giving his best performances. Um, and yeah, he had a he had quite a strong under twenty three career, and he, he he's never really kicked on. Um, I think in twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, he thought he'd be a bigger deal than he is now. But I'd say he sort of plateaued at that level, kind of in a similar way to a, a few of the Ineos Grenadiers of this sort of generation, kind of like Teo in a way. He you'd have hoped they'd have kicked on a bit more by now, yeah. Um, but yeah, sadly not the case. But He's putting in solid performances from time to time, but within that team now, I think he's more becoming a luxury domestique as opposed to a, a GC leader. And in 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 the upcoming Giro, I think he'll likely be that domestique if the others are on the form they should be. So, so yeah. Sweet. And uh, so we should shift our attentions to Italy, uh, back to the Tirreno Adriatico. Uh, this is another stage race. You can basically split which one you do. Um, you can either go to Paris Nice and face some of your competition there, or you can avoid them and uh, take them uh, here, where Roglic and the likes of uh, the current current world champion Yao Almeida and others uh, chose instead. So let's start with a phenomenal performance from Ghana um, taking away the early TT by a whopping 28 seconds. So Rob, um, I'm not huge at maths, but he went, I think a whole five, five percent quicker than his nearest rival over 11, 11 kilometers, which is a lot. (laughs) Yes. And, and, and they're not uh, shabby, Shabby rivals either Leonard Kamner, Magnus Sheffield, uh, Bren- Brandon McNulty. These these are top Yao Almeida. These are top time trialers, time trialers, and uh, Olympic champion Roglic as well. Twelve, just phenomenal performance, and uh, it it makes me think if we, if he was on this form for the hour record, he's putting in another half oh, a kilometer, wow. if, if if not more. Yeah, I think he's. I, I, yeah, this was quite a performance. To be fair, um, the 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 weather conditions definitely got a lot more favourable towards the end. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Mag- Magnus Sheffield would have been an awful lot closer if they'd gone off at the same time. Um, but yeah, this was an unreal performance from from Ghana, and for me, this is the best the best time trial performance we've seen this year by quite a long way. Um, yeah, pretty impressive and. Yeah, we'll get onto it later, but yeah, give, give something away from San Remo, which I admit I I didn't see coming. But yes, agreed. But yeah, um, yeah, great performance by Ghana, and probably gives confidence to everyone at Ineos that their time trial setup's pretty quick as well. Yeah, and then uh, phenomenal, phenomenal. Stage two, all eyes were on Mark Cavendish uh, for the sprinting stage. There was a real dogfight, twenty kilometers. Uh, to the finish with the narrow roads and then uh, it was gutter to gutter across the road making it very difficult to move up and uh, it of course led to a pile up in the last five kilometers uh, Girmay was up f- uh, for the for the challenge but unfortunately he of course punctured towards the end but we haven't said his name for such a long time and it's, it's nice to say his name of course uh, not in not in a good way but this time, but hopefully better in another. Uh, but yeah, just giving him a shout out there. And uh, yeah, um, the stage going to Jakobsen with uh, ja- Jasper Philipsen taking him down to the wire. Yeah, um, both Jakobsen and Philipsen, very good claim to being the best sprinter in the world right now. And I think they have the two best lead out trains to go with it realistically. And um yeah, Philipson looking slightly quicker, but Jakobsen getting the win on this occasion. And uh, I think this this could be a battle we see a lot this year. Uh, we got Brugge de Pan on the 22nd, so day after we're recording this now. And these two, the, the big two favourites for that as well. So a clash I think we're likely to see quite a lot, uh, given Jakobsen is the um, the chosen star for Sidel Quickstep to go to the tour, as opposed to Tim Malia. And we didn't have to wait long for... For that fight, really, Rob, because um, Philipson got one on over on his rival uh, on the next stage, but that was that was with uh, Jakobson nowhere to, to be seen, just just about scraping the top ten. Yeah, just out of position, and yeah, Fabio Jakobson not the most reliable at always getting in a competitive position. Philipson, for me, a lot more reliable to be involved in the sprint and. I'd actually call him the most winning, like the the sprinter most likely to win at the moment. Mm-hmm. A lot of wins from him last year as well, including yeah, including two at the tour. And you know, like he's rarely off the podium in a sprint. He's not the guy who's like regularly coming like eighth. He's like first, second, second, like or well, winning. And yeah, that's why for me, I rate Jasper Philipson and the the lead out Alperson uh, to Kernikoff for him as the best the best setup in the world right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, then that takes us to stage four. Um, Roglic doing one over his rivals, but that wasn't the main talking point. Rob, um, we saw a clash <laughs> between two absolute superstars, Tom Hitchcock and Van Aert. <laughs> a strange, a strange one. Um, it's not something you see often, really, um, especially caught on camera. Uh, two, yeah. two phenomenal stars coming together like that. And uh, both coming to the deck. Uh, both, of course, were back on the bike and uh, finished the stage. However, uh, Roglic, I mean, sorry, not Roglic. Um, what's his name? Pidcock uh, later pulling out of the stage. And 
I'm sure we'll see him again. Um, but yeah, Roglic is super inter- interesting because it sh- uh, there was a tweet by Venon CC showing five months earlier he had a shoulder, shoulder injury and uh, after resuming training, he is now winning stage four of Tirreno. And it's just, it, it just shows like the phenomenal, how phenomenal, phenomenal these athletes are whereby they can be injured um, but you know, if if we're out for even a week or two, Rob, our fitness tanks completely. These guys are out and uh, manage to not just r- regain their fitness, but get it to such a stage that it's it's beyond world class. And uh, that's what Roglic has done. And he, he's really showing himself again this season. Um, I thought he was going to be another one of them washed up stars. Uh, we were going to see his demise eventually, but He's he's put himself back on the map. Yeah, solid from Roglic, and you know he's. I if he was going to tour, I still don't think he challenges Vingegaard mm-hmm. and um, that. But this is a, a lot better than me, and pretty much everyone was expecting from from him. Um, so yeah, good to see he's getting over those injuries and having a bit of luck on his side and no crashes for once as well. Absolutely, and um, it's probably just uh, again giving a shout out to uh, Julian Julian Alaphilippe who came second that stage. Um, he, he he's since his crash, I, I've just I've just not seen him too much. Uh, certainly not at the pointy end, and I I feel like um, I feel gutted because we've lost the talent almost. Yeah. Uh, you know, there there was the top three, meaning Van der Poel, Van Aert, and Julian Alaphilippe. Now, we, now we've got a top four, and we'll, we'll, we'll go into that in a bit. But it doesn't include him. Um, no. And uh, I don't know. There was a different, different. He was he was different to the other two, I think. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's a bit of a loss. But uh, I do hope he comes back, and uh, he's showing promise. Um, but yeah, uh, stage five again. Uh, another show for Roglic, another another show of power, uh, kick to the line. It's it's in it's it's incredible the the athletes he's beating. Um, but yeah, uh, what what can you give us from stage five? Um, yeah, I I actually didn't think Roglic's climbing looked very strong. The um the, the it did split it did split. Roglic had a gap, but he did in part close it quite a lot by himself, and then. Taking a narrow, a narrow uphill sprint win against Julio Ciccone and uh, Teo Gagenhart, both both proved themselves very good in these sorts of sprints this year. But Roglic actually winning quite comfortably, to be honest. Um, and yeah, kind of a big group finishing all together. We know we've not really got an indication from this race of who's the best climber. Like mm. there's always been kind of like groups coming together in to sprint for the win. Um, but yeah another great sign for Rocklitch, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, he completes the hat-trick as well. Um, again, pipping, pipping the others on the line, like uh, tailgating Hart once again, Yao Almeida. And uh, that brings the GC... I, I, I'm not sure if you looked at the GC timings, Rob, but they're super tight. Uh, between first and eighth, it's under a minute. Um, of course, it's not, it's not 21 stages like the Tour, but that that for me is unheard of. That's uh, and that's basically the time trial as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was a very 
very close stage didn't stage race didn't break up as much as you thought it would um or anyone thought it would so so yeah very close yeah. race and so you're probably honest, right not... there you're right there then he's 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 taken the stages but he's not he's not dominant in this in the way that no uh, yeah no yeah sure so so yeah, yeah you're right i think right. the main worry for roglic this this race is the 49 seconds he lost to um to Ghana in a 12 minute time trial very short time trial mm. he has he has about 60 70k of flat time trial kilometers in the giro against Remco Evenepoel now if you extrapolate those kilometers and expect Evenepoel to be on a level not too far off Ghana during the giro and Roglic stays at his current current time trial form then Roglic loses about three minutes in time trials, which is like he can't recover that on. Yes. Well, he can recover it on climbs; it's possible, but it is like I don't know. It's more. It's more like five minutes, more like five six minutes. Roglic, if he doesn't improve on his time trial level, he's going to get slaughtered by Remco just in the time trials. So, so that has to be the main worry for him now. Um, it's rumored that. Due to his surgery, it's harder for him to hold that position, put Parat in the position, and I think that's the thing he really needs to work on before the Giro, because Remco will be on a very high level in the time trials. So, so yeah, you're bringing back uh, bad memories, bad memories for Roglic in time trials and stage races, Rob. <laughs> At least for me, yeah. I, I was rooting for him that time. Obviously, things have changed since then, but. Yeah, I did feel really sorry for him at the time. And uh, then just yeah. to wrap up, Tirreno then, stage seven, um, a sprint finish. GC was in the bag, as we mentioned. Roglic coming away with the win. And uh, yes, with Phillips in doing it again. Um, yeah, no no, uh, no mention of Mark Cavendish or Gronewagen, who was also there, uh, who, who, didn't, who didn't quite take, come away with a stage. But... Yeah, that that wraps up Tirreno then, um, and that. How are you feeling on a Mark Cavendish for a tour stage, Janet? <sighs> I, I want it to happen, Rob, so much. I want it yeah. to happen, but <laughs> after seeing after seeing this, uh, but then again, like I said, you, you and I both know, um, as you were saying with Jonas, looking at his March March form isn't isn't any indication to his. Uh, to his summer form for the tour so true never true. say never especially with Cavendish so definitely not yeah and uh over to Milan San Remo then um the first monument of the year uh incredible incredible win uh massive massive race a very long race um probably the longest single day race if I'm not mistaken Rob I believe so, yeah. Uh, 294 kilometres. So, yeah, quite a long one. Mad, mad. And uh, basically, forget all of that. Forget 290 kilometres. It comes down to literally the last 30 or 40, the last two climbs at the end. Um, and, uh, well, the race didn't disappoint. Probably probably the last 20 minutes of the race is perhaps the most exciting in the World Tour calendar of the year. Um there's there's nothing as iconic I would say um, year in year out, uh, but yeah, um, and the race didn't disappoint. And we we mentioned four four incredible athletes 
at the beginning it was obviously Pogacar, Van Aert, Van der Poel, and uh, the third, the fourth one rather was was surprising. You you would have Alaphilippe in there uh, maybe a few seasons ago, um, and Sagan maybe even more seasons ago. But we had Filippo mm-hmm. Ghana. Um, he he was he was fourth out of the uh, he was the four uh, fourth out of the four, and uh, he came away with second place. But uh, break down the race for us, Rob. Yeah, so we all get all kind of kicks off on the suppressor. Generally, this is the sort of point in the race about forty k to go. When if you're a television viewer, you want to you want to tune in um, and really pay attention. And um, yeah, kind of UAE. Some people thinking Pagacha would attack here. Um, he didn't, but his team did set quite a tough tempo. Then kind of it all quite a large group still together. Only kind of riders with no chance of winning didn't make it to the podio. Um and then we saw Bahrain. I was surprised they set up, made it quite a hard pace. Kind of doing UAE's team UAE Emirates. Rob, defending so, champions, they have to show face, right? They have to show face, but Mate Mahoric, the guy the guy they're riding for, isn't as strong as the others on this sort of climb. He's likely to get dropped. They want a ta- tactical, technical finale. Um, because he, he's not as strong as these top guys. That's the shame. Uh, that's the truth. And potentially they were doing it for positioning, but they're also riding very, very hard on the front. This kind of then allowed Tim Wellens to have not been on the front and then towards the top of the climb, put in a massive dig, which then Pagacha went over the top of. And then this drawing out the four best riders in the race in Pagacha himself, Van Aert, Lance Pohl, and very surprisingly, Gannett, I have no idea how a man that big climbs so well on these shallow gradients. But but yeah, those four getting away. Um, Pogaccio looking strong. Gannett quite easily getting on his wheel, whilst Van Aert struggled to close the gap with Van's pole on his wheel. And yeah, I think just as Pogaccio was sort of killing himself off, Van's pole putting in a massive counter, which ultimately no one had an answer to. An incredible counter. Just, just on the brow of the climb I guess but what I wanted to talk about very quickly is uh, Alaphilippe obviously crashed early on do you think that had uh, that had uh, implications on him catching that group or, or do you think he's just off form and yeah potentially it definitely didn't help him although I, I went back and like rewatched the crash when I started watching and he, he wasn't like cut up or anything it looked like a very Quite a, quite a soft crash. It's not something that wouldn't really make too much difference. Um, and I sort of part of my reason for saying I don't think it affected Alaphilippe is I've not seen anything from him this season, or to be honest, even last season, which made me think he could respond to those four. Um, so yeah, I'm not overly surprised Alaphilippe didn't make it. Although I am, I'm pretty surprised Vanderpol made it. To be fair, he looked. Terrible in Torino, um, but really came good at San Remo. So, so yeah, that, that is very, very interesting. I just that that his win came as a surprise. Obviously, Vanderpool winning never comes as a surprise. But uh, as you mentioned, of late his form hasn't quite been there. But he's pulled it out of the bag, and he's he came away with uh, a win. And I guess the headlines mentions that his uh, grandfather. 
did the same 62 years ago um or in 1960 yeah that's 62 years ago so uh, there's a tradition in the family of winning the race i guess <laughs> and and he continues that proud tradition and, yeah i uh, wish my family had that tradition I'd, I'd very happy i'd love to carry that on for our family but, but yeah <laughs> well uh rob which which races are you doing again um i don't know <laughs> just a race to lose a bit of weight <laughs> before summer that's the only race i've got but yeah and uh yeah just moving on then rob quickly um plenty of racing plenty of racing coming up and going on currently so obviously catalonia's on right now um you you mentioned the pana uh we've got also e3 saxo classic uh flanders fields gent wevelgem rather uh dwarsdorf landron and then of course the big one ronde uh tour of Basque country and another big one paris roubaix um just touching on those two rob who's who are you choosing to to come away with the wins on uh, flanders and roubaix um i think pagacha a big favorite Oh, you think so? I think no, currently it's... a lot of people regard him as the favourite for Flanders, although I think... I, I don't know... see it happening. No? Even no. after last year? He was no. the strongest in the race last year. I, I, I don't see it happening. Fair. Uh, I think I think you can call him the favourite, but I prefer Jumbo Visma as a, as a collective of favourites. Okay. I think their team is just so strong. Yeah. Um, and although I've not, I wasn't that impressed with Van Aert. I expected more from Van Aert at San Remo and Terreno. He's at a very good level, but yeah. I expected slightly more. If I'm honest, um, I think you always have to have him as a favourite for both. Van de Poel confirming himself as a favourite for both. Um, only through San Remo, I wouldn't. He looked terrible at Terreno and he looked terrible at Strada. But you have to now consider him favourite again. Um, and a guy who people have talked up as a favourite for, especially Roubaix before, who I've not really had faith in, is Ghana. Yeah, um, I was just about to say the same, yeah. Ghana, I think, now goes from, like, some very niche people who probably are quite knowledgeable would say Ghana can win Roubaix to actually, like, no, Ghana can really, really can win Roubaix. I, I think he won the under-23 version or something like that. A lot oh, of wow. people have, even though it doesn't translate. And he did actually look very good in it um, last year, but he did have quite a lot of mechanical issues. Um, he, he can ride cobbles, and I think we saw at San Remo he, he can sprint as well and go well over long distances. So, so yeah, Ghana, Ghana, Ghana through Bay isn't isn't a crazy shout by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I, that's this. I wouldn't say that's who my money's on, but I certainly think he has a chance. And uh, yeah, um, that wraps up our race overview Rob we will be back in a few weeks after Paris-Roubaix nice talk to you then see you take care